0: to Extreme Voltage. My name is D Malconian. We are so happy you're back. We missed you guys for a couple weeks. We've got a jam-packed episode today for you. We're going to be debriefing that Denver Bronco game. We will debrief the Jaguars game. And we'll go all the way back to that overtime against the Saints, and we'll discuss all three games. But let's really talk about the main focus right now, as we sit two and five after eight weeks in the NFL, the Chargers are on the bottom looking up, and I'm telling you, this two and five team easily is a five and two or six and one team. Uh, sad to see the state of affairs in Chargerland, and I want to discuss it. I want to beat the horse right now, and and let's really get cracking onto it because this is unacceptable, right? You cannot have this type of team dominating the way they dominate in the first half, right? We're beating the dead horse, but let's just sit back on the couch. Let's talk it through. Let's be rational about it. Let's take the emotions aside. I know you're banging on that TV set. I I know you're kicking that newspaper around. I know you're upset the next day when you're watching these highlights, but it's like it's every week it's what slipped away from us, right? It's every week. How are we finding ways to lose? It's every week being the Atlanta Falcons and and finding ways to lose a game. And this is very much déjà vu all over again, right? For instance, since last year, uh, it's since years in the past uh, the Mike McCoy years, the North Turner years. This has plagued the Chargers, be it in San Diego or Los Angeles. They haven't. They've moved, uh, you know, certain miles away. They've moved a hundred miles away, right? But they still. Haven't removed this curse of finding ways to lose games. It's, it's haunted them through uh, various coaches. Now, as I mentioned, it's haunted them through players. We thought this was more of a Phillip rivers issue. At least some of us did, including yours. Truly. We gave away a lot of games last year with some really bad turnovers some costly mistakes. Um, it's it's a combination of a lot but one, I want to talk about that today I really you can't just say hey it's whatever and uh, you know the kicker missed it and oh it was a bad interception in the end zone or oh, we fumbled right before the half all those happened absolutely you know Anthony Lynn was not there missing a tackle on that fifty five yarder this week uh, against Philip Lindsay coming uh, going down the middle of the field right um Anthony Lynn wasn't the one kicking that fifty-yard field goal at the end of regulation uh, to win the game in New Orleans, right? That that wasn't him. Uh, these these are ma- major issues going on, and we got to find out what it is that that's making this untick, and we got to find a way to fix it. The season's not over. If you're sitting at two and five and saying, "Oh, season's over," okay, that, most probably you know it might be. You know I'm not saying the, the odds are great, but if you want to give in now and just and just switch the games off, that's on you. Um, you know, besides being, you know, being you know, loving to talking to you guys, but I am a fan of this team, I love to watch this team, and I'm going to continue doing it because they they provide a lot of entertainment, uh, Unfortunately, they give you a little cardiac arrest at the end of the games, and it, it's not going our way right now, but at two and five, if you want to give up the season right now, that, you're not a true fan, let's work with this because there is a way, right? There is a roadmap for a possible uh, seventh seed in that tough, tough AFC? Is it likely? No. Uh, it really isn't great right now. They've got to go on a nice winning spree. But if they can pull off three or four wins in a row, hey, let's just take one or two at a time, right? But if we can do uh, pull off three and four in a row, this team is sitting at five and five, right? Even six and five at one point. Now, six and five, and you're looking through another five games, uh, we got a shot. Because this is a tough AFC conference, and teams are going to lose. And again, that additional one uh, extra uh, wild card playoff berth is in play. So there's a there's a few ways of um, going ab- about it. But let's go back and talk about what needs to get fixed. Because there are things that needs to get fixed on this team. Otherwise, we are just seeing a complete mirage uh, a mirage of this what this team could be like. And we're seeing consistent, consistent letdowns in the second half. Let's go back to the team overall and why this team is losing games in the second half. Based on what I've seen through my years of watching the NFL and learning the game of football, uh, either coaching and, and analyzing and so forth, there's a number of ways that you can look at this. The Chargers on the positive side are so well-prepared and have done such great uh, field study and team study and tape study that they're able to come off in the first half and they are able to dominate on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. And you can go ahead and I'll back those statements up with every game we've had so far. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Denver. Uh, look at all those games where we even had won. Um, dominating first halves. Dominating first halves. A lot of points on the board. Uh, again, against New Orleans, against Tampa Bay, and against KC. Putting double-digit leads on the board. And not just that. They were not shootouts in the first half. If you remember, that defense kept on coming and attacking that quarterback. Um, be it Patrick Mahomes. Uh, be it Tom Brady be it breeze, they were getting attacked and they were getting tackles for losses, uh, interceptions, pick six, you name it. Turnover game was happening as well. Sacks were happening. That was a dominating defense we saw in the first half as well. So it wasn't some kind of shootout we were having. And then we, we lost in the second half. We were dominating on both sides of the ball. Now the second half has been this quagmire of problems, right? Uh, the second half is where coaches have to adjust. You've had all week to plan or, or make a game plan of how you're going to attack this other team, right? Excellent. You come in, you perform well, you execute on the field. No matter how much you perform, you have to execute. Your players got to play, they got to make plays. And they do for 30 minutes. What's happening in the second half? Well, a couple things, right? Let's, let's look at a couple things. Number one, my question I'm posing is this. Have the coaches on our team, have the coaches with lightning bolts on their side of their helmet, have those guys made adjustments to counterbalance what if, uh, what potentially can be happening in the second half? Everything's going smooth for you in the first half, but what's coming in the second half? How would you self-coach yourself, you know, self-analyze uh, your team, right? And self-scout your team. Now, you've done A, B, and C really well, you have to anticipate what is the other side going to do in the second half to combat what they're going through right now. If you're running the ball on them, attacking three, four, five yards of carry and attacking it and blasting holes through their line and getting some good running play going, you got to anticipate these guys gonna toughen up on the box, right? And again, if conversely, if if you're having a great passing day and you're dissecting those guys in the in the secondary, then they're gonna do something to change it up. They're gonna blitz you they're going to put some more pressure on you or they're going to add DBs uh, in the backfield make it a nickel or dime package where you have additional DBs on there and those defensive backs are going to give you those those tighter windows to throw and more problems or it could be a combination of both blitzes and uh, more DBs in the backfield to make those passing windows tighter so Are we doing a good enough job? I don't know. Is Gus Bradley doing a good enough job as a defensive coordinator to combat what's going to happen in the second half with all these comebacks? Consistent comebacks. It's not just one or two games. If you got Patrick Mahomes come back and beat me, okay, I got you. You got Tom Brady come back and beat me, okay, I got you. You got Saints coming back and, and with Drew Brees beating me, okay, I got you. Drew Locke. Really? You're going to have Drew Locke after having, what, 50 yards total offense at about over three quarters? Uh, Now you're—this is a trend. This is a trend you're putting us into. Let's not forget the Cincinnati-Bengal game, right? Potential Rookie of the Year with Joe Burrow, right? Uh, Second half—first half was getting butt-kicked, Okay, he was getting rocked all over the field, okay? So nice, you know, he was staying composed and, and doing his thing, which he should be as a great rookie, but he—they were, they were making some good work. The Chargers defense was making some good work against Joe Burrow in the first half. And what happened in that second half, especially the last five minutes, right? Straight down the field. Should have been a touchdown. You know, we got lucky with that. Should have been a touchdown, and that could have been another uh, uh, come-from-behind game. So consistency in regards to our inconsistent defense in the second half, especially the waning moments. So number one, we identified coaching. Uh, that's a Gus Bradley issue. And that's Anthony Lynn issue because you've got to monitor what's happening with a defensive coordinator. But let's not make it one, one, uh, one phase of the coaching. Okay, really, it's almost a little unfair as well because on the opposite side, offensively speaking, you can't clamp up. If you're up by 17, I get it. The smart thing is in the second half, you're up by 17 points or so or 21 points, which was, uh, we just saw ourselves last week. Now at this point, Uh, You got to keep attacking the the point of the game is obviously when you're leading is to drain clock, right? You got to be a farmer. You got to milk the cow drain that clock right drain 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 milk it milk it milk it right great But the other team knows you're gonna do that right that other defense knows you're gonna run the ball first and second down Because they want to take that 35 seconds on the clock each time. Yeah, they know that. So they will play it accordingly. And if you game script it like that, where the other team knows what you're going to do, well, guess what? You're going to find yourself in a three and out. Or you're going to find yourself on a third and long, third and eight, third and 12, third and 14, right? You're putting your rookie quarterback in a position against an offensive line that's been weathered and beaten and playing with second and thirds, which we have. Look at our right side, right? Balaga's been out. Trey Turner's been out. Um, you know, we have Pipkins in there working the through. Um, we've had a number of offensive guards coming to on, on, their, on the right side now. They're on their third or fourth offensive guard. Uh, so, no, you've got issues. I'm not saying those guys not as not as good players, but they haven't been playing with that offensive line cohesively. So they don't know, and that's good. they're going to be out of sync. Right, Let alone the talent level, slipping your third and fourth guys. So yeah, that's going to be a problem. Now you're putting up um, Justin Herbert in a situation that he's got to deliver on a third and long, which any any NFL quarterback is going to have a hard time doing that. You put Russell Wilson back there. You put Aaron Rodgers back there. You put Brady back there. All these guys on third and long, that defense knows what's happening. Right. And on third and long, that's where it's going to be more problematic. And I give it to Herbert, man. That guy has delivered on all these third and longs. It's amazing how much he's delivered with his back against the wall. And I'm going to say him individually because, you know, some great plays been made on the offense, but he has been the one that torch that's been carried here. He's the one that's converting these these difficult third downs. Uh, Without major turnover. So great stuff on that end. And he's impressed me so much, man. He's just he's just playing awesome. But the coaches are not putting that offense in the second half in good positions to convert and to make first downs easier to drive the field to milk the clock even more so and to make uh, put some more points on that scoreboard because that's what you need. This week, let's go back to that that Denver Bronco game, um, that second half drive, that that Herbert threw that in, uh, end zone pick to Mike Williams. You know that can't happen, right? That's a mistake with a quarterback, and that's a mistake with play calling, and that's a mistake not getting three points on that board. You, you didn't have to do that. You can have gotten your three points, and now you're at a nine point uh, a game situation. If these guys score, uh, even with an extra point or a, a two point conversion, they're still not going to catch up to you. You got to think about that. That's coaching. That's coaching. Um, So that's one aspect of it, right? I really am upset about the coaching issue, Uh, much like a lot of you are, right? Much like a lot of you are. Second phase, the players. What's happening in the second half? And this is mainly on the defense, okay? What's happening in the second half on our defense? Well, I tell you what's happening, what I'm watching, is I'm seeing that front four having problems, Okay, the consistency of that pressure is going away. Are we getting tired the second half? Are we not having a good enough rotational in the second half with Isaac Rochelle uh, and Wasu? Uh, Lenville Joseph, uh, Jerry Tillery, are we having an issue? Damien Square, what, what's happening on that side? Uh, that, that that fearsome foursome is not putting maybe enough pressure. Our quarterbacks are maybe, th- their quarterback, I should say, is maybe throwing it quicker. So if that's the case, that's a secondary issue. Because if he's going to throw fast, man, I don't care what D-line you have, he's going to get rid of that ball quick, right? So at that point, what's happening to our linebackers in our secondary? right? Are we playing nickel with five DBs? Are we playing dime package with, with six or more DBs? What's happening on our coverage linebackers? Are we are we missing something there? I know we have Drew Tranquil out. I know we have Big Derwin out, and that's been killing us. Uh, I know we had this this issue with uh with the safeties and we'll talk about Desmond King trade in a minute. But uh it's not going well back there. Casey Hayward this year has slipped. A lot of challenges to Casey Hayward's side. And, you know, he's still a decent ball player and he's doing a good job. But there's moments that we've had a lot of problems on that side. Mike Davis, same way, had a great pick six a few weeks back against Tampa. Uh, But again, some problems on that side as well, Uh, let alone Nasir Adderley. Uh, I'm not impressed right now, Nasir. It, it, we've been having a lot of problems on that side. I know it's, he's pretty much a rookie. He's a second-year guy that really didn't play much at all in the first year. And he's feeling it. He had a really nice play a couple weeks back with an interception. But we got to have more consistency. we got to have more coverage back there to make sure these deep passes aren't, aren't getting by to us. Look at what happened against the Denver game this last week, right, in the second half. Uh, that's got to go. Rayshon Jenkins has been playing really well. And I think he's been the catalyst on that on our defense. He's been playing really, really well on that side. So we'll see how that goes. We got a lot of young guys playing back there now. Um, in regards to, and again, we'll get to Desmond King in a moment. But the players—it uh, might be a player issue as well. What are we doing in a second half? with players are they not at their peak? Obviously, they're 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 tired. Uh, it's a long game, but uh, we got to look at that before. Both went out with a concussion this last week. Last few weeks, he's been battling knee. I guess it was knee and ankle and and and. and um, um, uh, elbow injuries, bicep injuries. He's been having a lot of th- those kind of problems, but he's also been very, very winded. So these are things to look at and see what we can do, and and hopefully we can get better on that player standpoint. Maybe more depth I- I- is needed, uh, better preparation, better conditioning is needed. I, I don't know, but that's another problem. Um, so those are the two areas of concern that I'm having, and and quite honestly, um, we'll talk about Tom telesco in a moment. But those two areas are crucial, and you really you, you, Mike Badgerly. Um, Okay, another problem with Badge, right? He's been a lot of misses this year with extra points, with crucial field goals. That's been a big problem for us. He's got to get better. He's got to shake off these issues. Um, special team wise, give up that 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 touchdown a couple weeks back against uh, um, the Jaguars. These are these are problems to uh, to try to fix. So these are concerns in regards to coaching. Gus Bradley should have been let go a couple weeks ago. Uh, these comebacks have been way too many. Uh, Anthony Lynn should have made the right call, tough call to make, should have let go of Gus Bradley, moved on, and tried to improve this uh, this, uh, defense. That didn't happen. And now he's at a point... And this was uh, this last press conference. Uh, I believe it was a few journalists were asking uh, the, the questions. He got a little uptight, of course, who wouldn't asking about what can change, what can happen about the coaching situation. And he flat out just said, hey, it's too late now. We, we can't change up and fire coaches midway through uh, we're, 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 where we're at. We got to finish it out. Well, yes and no. I get it. If you fire now, if Tom Telesco go ahead and uh, and fires the whole staff now, everybody's gone. That's going to be tight, right? Who's going to take over interim? Could be Shane Steichen, right? The offensive coordinator. He can he can come up and, and start doing something. Uh, I'm not sure who else. Uh, you know, Pep Hamilton is a quarterbacks coach. Um, I don't think he'll he'll take it uh, in regards to, but you know, either one of them. I just don't know how much uh, pedigree he has in regards to coaching the NFL. But um, in regards to that, it could be one of the one of the other. Uh, or somebody else but yeah that's gonna be a tough it looks like a lame duck situation you know really you're pretty much at that point saying our season is completely done and we're just gonna uh, work on getting uh, a coach for next year which i think at this time at two and five might be difficult to do let's just kind of hang tight and see what happens in the next four games but i'm gonna give it the three four games now if this team drops to uh eight or nine losses uh in the next few weeks then it's time to make that change Uh, then it's not necessary to keep Anthony Lynn and the staff because at that point, you need to specify as an organization and make a statement that we are moving on from what we had. And the culture that we have um, is not working for us. Let me go back and say something. I like Anthony Lynn, and I I don't know, know him personally, but I like how he coaches. Looking from the outside in, I like how he coaches. I think he's an, obviously, he has a good communication style, ex-player that knows how to talk to these young cats. And I think he does a good job of that. Uh, coordination-wise, I don't know how he is with those other coaches. Uh, but I like the way, from the outside looking in, the way he coaches these guys. Um, it's a different type of player now in 2020. There's not the same type of Bill Parcells type of coaching back in the 1980s where your heart is rocks against these guys. They didn't like it, then you get them out of the organization. It's kind of different, right? These these guys really lead the organizations now. They're, they're the mainstay. The coaches just come and go. So, I thought with that aspect, I thought he was doing a, a good job. Uh, now there's a problem. Uh, there is a cultural w- culture problem. Once you start losing and finding ways to lose consistently and not come back and and make it a statement and, and make some good wins, uh, then you've got a cultural problem. Where I don't care how good that coach might be potentially, uh, it's got to be a, there's got to be a change. And I think that's where we're at with this team. Um, so let's look at the next four games let's see how those pan out if we can roll four in a row man this is good right now we're looking at six and five and we're going okay now we got a chance let's stick with the program it might have been a lot of the injuries we had and some bad luck and now we got a shot to to get a wild card and this could be all moot conversation at that point but uh if this thing continues to crumble then we've got to look at it and, and with a micros- under a microscope and say, okay, what needs to change? Because there are potential uh, candidates next year, and Eric bien is one of them. And I know uh, you've been reading about it. You've probably been seeing it. Ex-charger Eric Bien-Aimé from uh, ami from University of Colorado uh, that was drafted here back in San Diego under the tutelage of Andy Reid and that kind of explosive offense that they run uh, in KC and, of course, before that in Philly. Um you know, and Biennemi has had some great work as a running backs coach, I believe back with Minnesota as well. Uh, and I might have missed one or two other stops he made before Kansas City. But I remember he also was coaching Adrian Peterson back in many, in Minnesota Vikings. So, look, that will be the guy potentially to a pencil mark in as the lead guy coming in here because I like the offensive mentality. If he brings Andy Reid's amazing uh, offensive mind in regards to having a stud quarterback like what you have now in Herbert, you identify that as your guy, then that's the coach you need to travel this this journey because without a stud quarterback, you're not going to, be hoisting any championships in the nfl very difficult to do so it's not the 80s anymore where you have a really strong running game and a strong defense and you can have a you know game managers per se yeah that doesn't work anymore and i don't have to rattle off names uh, of these guys that are are game managers and they're able to you know hoist one for you but that was all because your defense and your and your running game no that doesn't exist anymore it's all about the quarterbacks. And if if you disagree, great. Look at all the last five, ten years of Super Bowl championships and you'll see what I'm talking about. Without the QB, you're done. And one thing I didn't like about Anthony Lynn is when we all saw it and how awesome Justin Herbert was, not just as a fill-in because somebody else was hurt, uh, but how awesome, how amazing he came off and, and started his career with a huge bang. you got to identify right then and there. you got something special. And I think by him making those comments about the turnovers and some other stuff he was saying, you know, I think it turned off a lot of people and I'm not sure how that was in the locker room. And I'm sure he's trying to protect Tyrod Taylor. That's his guy. And I get it from Buffalo, but I also thought it was a little bit of a disrespectful. I think he needs to uh, just outside looking in. I thought he had something special there and he knows he had something special there. And I think he could have done a little better effort uh, publicly to support his young, young quarterback. Anyhow, that's just me looking outside in and uh, just a few things, but I think you need a, He's a head coach that really recognizes the talent that we have in Justin Herbert and what to build around him. Number one, to protect him. Because if he's not on the field, uh, nothing's happening. You can give me all the superstar talent you want around him. He's not there. Give me some protection. And I'm not just talking first-line protection. I'm talking about second-line protection as well. That guard or tackle coming in uh, that's going to be the second string better be, be, be the guy that knows how to protect this kid. So that's crucial. In regards to Tom Telesco and this trade for desmond king now if you're going to talk about grading this trade uh forget about it because the chargers lost this was not a trade where it's even somebody just got a great player right somebody just got a great player um the tennessee titans grabbed a really nice safety and he's he's a putt returner as well and he could do a lot of things he's great against the run uh really decent against uh against coverage i'm not sure what the problems were in LA. I'm not sure what the issues were. I know he had a suspension this year. I know he had a suspension last year. I am not sure what the mentality is. I know he was complaining about not getting playing time. I know he was complaining. Uh, well, I'm sure internally he was upset when um, when Chris Harris came in from Denver this last year, and they committed so much money for an older player, which I'm still kind of surprised because with older players, Chris Harris, Brian Balaga, uh, Trey Turner, I guess, injured player more or less, really not older. But with older players, you're going to start seeing a lot of guys not playing because they break down a little bit more than others younger players have a little better uh, i guess sometimes a little better of bouncing back from these injuries more so than than some and they've had uh, maybe less injuries in regards to the NFL wear and tear so i thought giving that much money to Chris Harris and bringing him on that's exciting right to see it but i don't know maybe it should have been more of a Desmond King um Uh, relationship where they were going to extend him instead of looking from outside to bring in for an older player. I'm not sure. We still have to see Chris Harris. Really haven't seen much with him. So hopefully he comes back this next week or the week after and we can kind of see what kind of impact he'll have. Yeah, that Desmond King trade for that six-round pick is nothing. And that hurts us. But that's something where they felt as though the person has to get it's not just we needed to get something for him. Uh so we got we cut him loose early. I don't believe in that. Uh because a six round pick, okay, fine. It's a six round pick. I'd rather have that player in a in a in a backfield, where already we have uh, injury rolled issues, right? We already have uh, Desmond out. So why are we uh, correction? Derwin out. So why are we going to have this? Where well, we're going to lose uh, Desmond King as well? I'd rather keep him, let him go through this year. I've got depth there. He can come in there as my slot, as my safety. Uh, you know, he's a, tra- a transitional player. And why would I do that for a sixth round pick if I know I have a chance to at least still be in the competition for the playoffs? Because you can make the same argument for Melvin Ingram was going to be gone next year, not going to renew him. So how come they didn't send him off? They didn't find a, a nice trade partner there. If you get rid of Desmond King for a five or for a six, you're going to get rid of Melvin Ingram for a four. Or five, right? If that's what they wanted to do. No, this is more of an issue about him not maybe adjusting well, or him not being the right culture um, in the right environment for the charger. So I think that's the issue on that. Again, it's conjecture. I don't have any type of proof. There's no evidence. They haven't talked about it, which is cool. But I think looking outside in, these are the things you can kind of stare at and, and, and see where we're at. Looking at the uh, Saints game uh, a few weeks back against Drew Brees, I got to tell you, Herbert just was phenomenal, right? I thought phenomenal. 20 out of 34, 264 yards, four touchdowns in the game right amazing just had a heck of a game uh with no pressure by the way 17 out of 20 233 yards with three touchdowns and one interception so that was really beautiful to see uh he was pressured 17 times in the backfield uh kid really played one of the best games I saw uh this whole here Josh Kelly and um Justin Jackson continued to share the backfield with 26 carries together again uh, actually Jackson had a really good night that night he had 15 Carries for 71 yards, and I think you're starting to see him as a primary uh, ball carrier here. Kenneth Murray continues to do really well. Uh, five tackles uh, last time as well. He was f- targeted four times, gave up three uh, three passes, uh, but just for uh, I believe uh, 15 yards on that one. And I had he had one pass blocked. So Kenneth Murray continues to shine and continues to do well on the defensive side as well. But that was a great game by the offense. Unfortunately, uh, just came up short. What an amazing throw at the end of regulation, uh, deep down to the left side line for Mike Williams, who literally climbed up a 12 foot ladder and came down uh, with that ball, gave a perfect opportunity for a great ending with the Badger kicking it through for a 50 yarder, which just sailed uh, right. And that that hurt us. And from there, of course, you give Breeze that that opportunity. And then uh, here we go. We lose in uh, in overtime on on that field goal. So sad to see that one. That was a tough loss, but one whale of a game. Against the Jaguars, I thought Herbert, again, uh, came out and played phenomenal. 27 out of 43, 347 yards, three touchdowns, um, and those three were all on 20-plus yard touchdowns. It was pretty amazing to see. I also had six rushes. Uh, 66 yards and a touchdown with no turnovers, which was pretty amazing. He continues to uh, to really spotlight. Keenan Allen uh, had 13 targets in the game, caught 10 for 125. So really, really nice on that on that end. Of course, the defense on the Charger side. You know, uh, Robinson, the running back for uh, for the Jaguars, is really a great player. You know, really good story this year. Uh, 22 carries, 119 yards with a touchdown, had four receptions for about 18 yards and also a touchdown. So second half. I I thought he really played uh, really well and kind of took it to the Chargers defense on that end. Otherwise, I think they did a really great job against Minshew. Again, second half had more opportunities for Minshew, but the first half bottled up, really put a lot of pressure and a lot of nice hits to him. So defense played really well on that end, and luckily they were able to survive with that that 10-point win. Uh, Pretty scary for that pump block for a touchdown uh, earlier in that game. So special teams issues got to get fixed up. And lastly, for that Denver Bronco game uh, this week, uh, losing at 31-30 uh, with no time left on the clock. And that quick touchdown at the end of the ball game really, really deflated us. Uh, a couple of pass interference calls, one in the end zone, which was really, really sketchy. And that probably should not have been called on that fourth down play unfortunately but it happened gave them new life and first down and from there a quick little uh uh pass to the right side and and got got it in for a drew lock got it in for a quick little score and then they you know kicked it with a point after and they were done with it as a walk-off touchdown really hard to swallow that one especially being up 21 points we talked about it earlier today and that really took a little bit of sales off this team i want to see how they bounce back that's a tough loss that's one of those losses where either the next week you are still in the dumper and you're not able to get through it, or you're gonna have to bounce back hard and blow it up this week and they've got the they got the Raiders right they got the Raiders this is a divisional foe arch enemy uh the Raiders and they're playing really really well this Raiders offensive team is pretty a uh, pretty strong juggernaut I mean they've got Josh Jacobs On the outside receiving threats, they've got Darren Waller right now playing really well, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, Nelson Aguilar. These guys are playing really, really well, and uh, it's been pretty exceptional to to watch. Darren Waller leads all targets right now offensively with 61 targets. He's caught 45 passes for 372 yards um, and just phenomenal um just just phenomenal uh player in that tight end position uh renfro has been targeted 34 times has caught 25 for 309 uh nelson aglar has had uh, 15 receptions so far for 292 yards and he leads all the raiders with uh with four touchdowns receiving wise so doing really good job on that end, coming from philadelphia so they've got they've got a really strong offensive potent attack especially with that running game with uh with josh jacobs i think you're seeing some good stuff here he's already ran for uh 523 yards here halfway through the, the season with five touchdowns so far. Um, so looking really, really strong. He's got 25 passes, uh, correction for he's caught 18 for 122 as well. So that offense can bring it and that defense is playing pretty well as well. They had a really good um, game plan against Cleveland this last week and they shut him down to six points only. So that's going to be a fun game to watch. Hey this is it this is what you got to come back with. You got to go we got to win one at a time. You got to make improvements for that first uh, correction that second half consistently play your game like you do. Make the adjustments, get keep your guys fresh. Keep the eye on the prize and let's let's finish games out the right way. Let's focus. Uh, let's not make this a, a runaway freight train where our season goes to, goes down the hill. And I want to see how the players respond this week. Is it those kind where they kind of like, oh, OK, whatever, here we go again? Or is it let's make this work? And I want to see how the coaching staff, how their focus is. And again, all, all you're seeing is visual clues, right? All the nonverbal clues. Watch it on the sideline. I want to see how they react. Are they going to just close their eyes like the old Mike McCoy years and and wish and pray that this game's going to go their way or are they going to be actively uh, getting their guys to be aggressive and to finish it out and control their fate? And I want to see how this, this team responds. This is adversity two and five. It's the worst it can be right now. Right? So all you can do is go, go up. Uh, they've still got a shot. The season's not over. It is, it is kind of hurtful right now, but they got a shot to play it. So I want to see how they can respond back. Um, We'll do it again next week. I'm going to get you guys one early next week so you we can debrief this the game with the Raiders. Hope you guys are doing well. I love the fact that you guys are uh, listening to our, our podcast. We appreciate you. Share it with your friends. Let us know what you think. Please subscribe and like us on any platform that you listen. Uh, for Extreme Voltage, we want to thank my guy, Tyrell Mad Dog Wiggins, across the glass for taking care of us. Thank you for Kevin McLeod for our music again today, for Strength of the Titans and the Ice Giant you can find Kevin at Filmmaker.io My name is Zee Malconian we will see you next time on Extreme Voltage